Welcome, our fellow lovers of love, and thank you for joining us on yet another excursion through the stream of consciousness down the river of tranquility to fill the lake of life with love. And good evening, our fellow lovers of love. Thank you for joining me and Lovey on this excursion through a I'm not even sure what we're going to call it tonight. Tangled web. Now, oftentimes, the tangled web that we weave is because we deceive, but actually, sometimes the tangled web is just because life is messy. You know, we all build our little webs, right? Like a spider. And a big gust of wind comes by, and next thing you know, it's all freaking tangled. It all you had nothing. You had nothing to do with it. But sometimes life is tangled, and then we have to make decisions on how we move forward from there. And if there was a theme to this week's uh, list of questions, that's kind of what it would be, even though it's kind of an eclectic list. But there is a theme. If you kind of dig far enough, or back off far enough, I suppose. <laughs> so, without much ado, unless we want to uh, sit here and remind you that you can go to LateNightLove.us oh, There it is. You can go to LateNightLove.us If you want to visit and see all our show notes. You can send Lubby a uh, Dear Lubby letter at Love at LateNightLove.us I'd love to hear from you. Yes, and you can tell us if you like the hat or not because I know she, she doesn't particularly like the hat, but hey. I like the Indiana Jones hat. That's too big for my head. Um, my head isn't that swollen. Sorry there, my love. Or big to differ. <laughs> well, our fans can let us know. Is my head too swollen for the Indiana Jones hat? Or did someone just buy me an Indiana Jones hat that was too big for my head? <laughs> Maybe that's the actual answer to that question. You can join us over at our, our uh, infant but yet growing locals community over at uh, latenightlove.locals.com. Or is it locals.com slash late night love? Either way, I think to get you that'll get you there. Um, so anyway, as we go on, so all right, lovey, what is our first? Uh... Well, we're going to start off with heavy hitter. We're just going to dive right in tonight, folks. Can the father of my unborn child put get DHS involved if I was thinking about putting the baby up for adoption? I'm not putting him on the birth certificate, and then the child isn't getting his last name. Well, the last name is kind of irrelevant. That's just not a relevant fact. But whether you put someone on a birth certificate or not, they still have, you know, the same parental rights. And if you're going to put him up for adoption, then the father has the has the right to, you know, want to raise his child for himself. You know, you don't get to make that choice by yourself. No. You know, and sometimes maybe you should be able to, but you don't. It's just not how the system works. And can he get them involved? Yes. And, you know, he very well might. You know, he may want to be, have a family. You know, and why would you want not want him to be involved? Why would you not want the parent, biological parent, to be involved in their life? You know, are you afraid of having to pay child support? What's the, you know... That's the common answer, or is it you just don't want to be responsible, so you don't ever want to be responsible? 
it's a tough call, but you know that not wanting to be responsible call was made six, seven, however many months ago. So, <laughs> so I mean, I don't mean to laugh, but you know that's water under the bridge. You have to decide where you're going from here. And how do you want to be as a human being? Do you want to look back in here in 20 years and regret your decision? Do you want to be convincing yourself that you've done the right thing? Maybe you did. But, you know, it's not your call. There's other people involved. And once other people are involved, you don't get... It doesn't get to be your call. And realistically, you probably don't want government departments involved in this. They only make these things worse. You might be very willing to give them up for adoption. You may not be ready for it either. It makes it even easier. You both sign the paperwork and you're both done. But this is a very adult decision, so you have to make it you know, in a very adult way. It's not easy. So I shouldn't have made laughed about it but sometimes you know it's not a funny kind of laugh it's almost a tragic laugh you're trying to do the right thing for the child and yourself or yourself but you know there is another person involved Okay, why are people buying houses right now since the housing market is so high? Don't they know they will never be able to sell it for a profit? Well, see, it's that last part is why I put this one in there. Not everybody buys their house for a profit. Some people buy their house for a homestead, so they have something to pass on. It's not about selling it. It's about owning it. You know, there's a difference. You know, if all you're thinking of is profit, then the house is just a building. And you're right, they probably don't care. But a house is often more than just a building. You know, it's a place of refuge. You know, if you think of it as a homestead, it's a place of refuge for future generations. Our studio is built by our grandfather. You know, we're in a house. We're in the garage of a house built by my grandfather. It's a homestead. You know, it's a place of refuge. It's more than just how much it costs, how much you could get for it if you sell it. And depends where you go. If you were buying a house in my particular neighborhood on my particular block, despite the sounds outside there tonight, um, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, in five years, they're going to have this big, huge development, like literally three blocks from the house. It's going to have a bunch of uh, high-income uh, doctors and scientists and stuff. This house is going to be worth twice, three times what it is now. So, depending upon where you buy, now is not necessarily a bad time. Like everybody says, location, location, location. But there's also meaning, meaning, and meaning. Okay. If you paid child support for 18 years and found out the child doesn't yours, can you sue the mother of that child? Well, depending upon your state and country, maybe, but you're not going to get anywhere. The state considers it as a benefit to the child and you're just hosed.
I mean, if it was fraud, clear fraud, you may be able to, and she actually has money. <laughs> Maybe you can do it. But if it was just, you know, she maybe thought it possibly was yours, and her little side dalliance was, you know, could have been or could not have been, then you're just out of luck, most likely. Unfortunately. No, I'm not even sure it's unfortunate. You know, you helped raise a child into an adult. Well, I mean, the, the subterfuge, you know, you... you the uh, the lies. That's yeah. that's so unfortunate. Yeah, but you know, it's also water under the bridge. You know, you you know what kind of person she is, but you know what kind of person she is anyway, likely. So, uh, you know, try to look on the silver lining. You helped raise a child into an adult. You know, sometimes that's the best you can do. You can find out, okay, what good came out of this. You know. Now, you look into it, and you may very well have a case. It doesn't hurt, you know. At this stage, call in a lawyer, especially if she has some resources. Call in a lawyer and have a consultation. It's, you know, 150 bucks, 200 bucks, whatever the hell a lawyer charges these days. It's worth a shot, at least to have a conversation. We're no lawyers. By the way, don't get legal advice from us. Go talk to a real freaking lawyer. That's, <laughs> that's mine. Okay. A co-worker brought a cheesecake that she made herself to work, and it was horrible. We told her it was good so she wouldn't be hurt. Now she brings it every week. How do we solve this? By not lying to her in the first place. Oh, what a tangled web we weave. This is why I despise the whole food culture thing, man. It's all just fraught with dangers because you try to be polite and the next thing you know you enter this crappy food every damn time you see this person. It's the worst thing ever. So this is why you just don't do it. You politely say, that was interesting. Not something I would make for myself, but... And you just never go down that path. how I would deal with it. And now that you're down this path, somebody's going to have to take one for the team and have a conversation with her that is going to be uncomfortable. So, you know, find the person who's best at those kinds of conversations. <laughs> There's somebody there who's actually half-decent at these conversations who are empathetic and will able to be able to have a conversation. Just tell her what happened. Say, we didn't want to hurt your feelings, but now you're just wasting resources and time and we feel it's wrong for us to continue. You know, we... We were trying to hurt your feelings, and now we've kind of created the situations where the longer it goes on, the more your feelings are going to be hurt when you find out the truth. So we felt it was best to be honest now. It's going to hurt. It's going to be awkward, but she'll thank you for it in the long run. Okay? I would. I would. And your taste buds will thank you for it in the short run. So. You're right. <laughs> so. Okay. I submitted a resignation letter, and my employer did not approve it. I did not want to work for them again. Is this legal? If it is, how can I make sure to make the employer approve my resignation? Well, A, unless you have some contract with a no resignation clause, which in most states isn't actually legal. I mean, even in like NFL contracts, 
they can just not play. They don't get paid, but they just, you, know, you do have that option. You can go down and work at the local 7-Eleven or something. Um, but in most states, especially if you didn't sign a, an exclusive five-year contract or something like that, it's an outwill. You can you don't need to still file, fill out a resignation letter. You just inform them you're no longer working for them and you walk out the door. You don't actually even have to inform them. You can just never show up again. That's a little rude. But that is an option. You know, it's not back in the days of serfdom where you can't leave and you'd be drugged back by the local constables. They can't do anything to you. I mean, if you have a contract, they might be able to sue you for like a bonus money or something that you've signed on. You You may have to return that. There's stipulations in the contract you may have signed, but... You can't sign away your rights to go work somewhere else. There's, I don't think there's a state in the United States and probably in Western Europe. Maybe you might be able to get away with it in some backward parts of Asia or, or Southeast Africa, something like that, Northeast Africa. But no, just walk away. You don't actually have to res- resign. You can just call them up. I'm... I quit. Man, hang up the phone. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a well, of course, not hang up the phone anymore. Hang up the phone. But <laughs> <laughs> that's the old days where the phones were better because you could go, I quit. Bing! <laughs> Bells would ring and all kinds of stuff. It was great, very therapeutic. What do you do now if you slam your phone down? You just got to buy yourself a new freaking phone. <laughs> okay, so and I know that's a joke many, many people have told, but it's funny. All right, because it's true. All right, what do you got? My 17-year-old son says he doesn't want to go to college because he wants to become a full-time video game streamer. What should I tell him? See, the college discussion is so fraught with difficulties now because college is so expensive, and unless you're an engineer or a a high-end programmer or something, it's kind of debatable. I mean, unless you or actively look to uh, manage your costs, whether it's worth it or not. I mean, if you're going to be a high-end, you know, finance or a doctor or some, you know, engineer, an architect, you know, one of the high-end things, then it's still worth it. But if you're going to get a, you know, just a general... I don't even an English degree or a history degree. Associates of Arts or something. It's you know maybe if you're a teacher, it maybe balances out because they have loan forgiveness for for people who work in a public service that types of thing. But it's so fraught with dangers. Now, becoming a professional streamer, as we well know, is fraught with its own set of dangers. It's a lot of work. It's a f- 40, 50, 60 hour a week thing. It's they're, they're not getting off not working. It kind of appears they're not working, but making content is a heck of a lot different than, uh, than you know, just kind of showing off what you're doing, having fun. You know, being a hobby is vastly different than being a professional streamer or a professional content creator. So, you know, let him try it before he's off to college. Talk to him about the community college route so he can actually learn some of his skills where he can learn marketing. Marketing is important. So maybe direct him towards a marketing degree. 
maybe use online college. You don't have to go to physical college anymore. He's clearly comfortable online, so maybe online college is good for him. He can do both. You know, there's more options than the traditional college now. I'm not saying don't send him to college. You know, if if he's smart and wants to be an engineer, you know, it's a different, it's a vastly different conversation. You know, if he wants to be an engineer or a doctor, but he's choosing streaming because he's 17 and it seems cool, and <laughs> you know, there's differences. You're gonna have to know your child. He's gonna have to know what he's doing. But you know, even if so, taking a year off, taking six months off to go try this first isn't gonna hurt him. Try the real world. Get a taste of, of how cutthroat it is. And maybe college will look better. Indeed. You know, and maybe he's a success and it doesn't matter. But he's 17 and he's got a chance. Give him the chance. You know, say maybe college is a backup plan. Instead of, you know, streaming as a backup Maybe college is your backup plan. Give it a try. See how it goes. Dive into it full time. 40 hours a week, like a job. See if you can pull it off. Of course, it's actually going to be 60 hours a week if you really want to do it right. But let him find that out for himself. All right, what you got? My son is a gamer, and someone DDoSed him. What does that mean, and how can he he can prevent it from happening again? Okay, it's just a denial of service attack. Someone just continually pings your your IP address. Um, Really, fundamentally, there's not much you can actually do to prevent it, except if you know who did it, you can report it to the game and get him banned. You can, and, or you can find where his, if you happen to know where his address is, you can uh, report him to his ISP, but report it to your ISP. Give us, gather as much information you can, report it to your ISP. Because th- uh, the internet service providers hate this kind of thing. It's actually a federal crime. It's literally a federal crime because it's messing with the backbone of the internet. Most of these things have to use hacked computers to run these kinds of things. It's it's not that hard. You buy into it for ten bucks these days. Um, back in the old days, we actually had to work at it. Uh, <laughs> these days, you just buy it. Um, but there's fundamentally there's nothing you can do because as long as that person's online and your son is online at the same time. Even if the IP address changes, you can have your IP address change. You know, he can just find the new one. Because anytime you log in, your IP address... Now, there's ways to mask it, but it slows your son's game down, and that's not a necessarily good thing. And so, deal with it, ISP. Gather as much information as you can. Report it to the game and your, and your ISP, and uh, let it take it from there. Because that's what most people don't do, is... So that's why they get away with it, because most people don't know, well, what do I do? Well, you gather as much information as you can, and you report it to the, the game you were playing and the uh, and your ISP. They hate that. It's a, federal, it's a violation of federal law. Now, what, what will the feds do fundamentally for some kid doing a DDoS attack? Scare the crap out of them. But <laughs> it's, <laughs> they're not going to actually do anything. It's not worth the resources, but they'll scare the crap out of them. You know, having an FBI agent come and sit you and your parents down in your living room was a scary thing. <laughs> it just is. 
All right. So what else we got? If PC gaming is better than console, then why do major game companies release their games on the console first? How did I get so many gaming tech questions in this week? Um, why? It's one, it's a captive audience. Two, it's the program for the game and then port them to the other things. Because the games have a stricter set of limitations to work with. So you design them for the games first. Because then you can it's easier to port them to a computer than it is taking this big complicated computer game and then porting it to a console that has, you know, two thirds of the horsepower. So they program it for the console and then port it over. Rather than the other way around. And by the way, PC gaming isn't inherently better. It's better in some circumstances. But if you want to sit and game in a living room with your family or friends, console gaming is better. Right? So it depends, and it depends what kind of game you're playing. So this notion that console or PC gaming is, is better than one or the other, it's, they serve different audiences and different purposes. You know, it's like, oh, excuse me, it's like an SUV and a sports car. You know, they both get you to the grocery store, but fundamentally they're different cars. You know, one you can take your family on a long trip, and the other one you can drive around a track real fast. But they can still both get you to the store, get you to work. So, you know, you're not really apples to apples. They're different things. Okay. How do I explain to my six-year-old that happiness is a choice? I plan to leave my daughter behind with my older sister in the U.S. while I work overseas in Cancun. I'll come back and regain custody of her when she's a mid-teen. I want her to be happy. You told her she's losing her mother and you're asking her to be happy? What is wrong with you? Yeah, she's not going to be happy. That's an inherently unhappy thing. Now, you might be able to get her to accept it, but, you know, you're getting to go to Cancun and she's not. Why not? There's nothing wrong with raising a child in Cancun. Lots of people do it. You know, people in Cancun have children. If it's, if it's nice enough for you to work there and safe enough for you to work there, then it should be safe enough for you to raise your family there. So that's kind of my question. Why are you going? And this isn't the first time we've broached this question. We've had families actually ask this question, you know, or the whole family was moving and leaving their child behind. And, you know, I don't know. I suppose I can quasi-understand it if you're like some Peace Corps person and you're going off to some third-world country to work for a year and you want to... I maybe under, maybe can understand it. Maybe. <laughs> but I just can't understand why you'd want to do that. You know, it's a it's a wonderful world experience for your daughter. You know, living in Cancun, a different country for a few couple of years, for a few years. It's a you know, if it's a good experience for you, it's a good experience for her. Why is her leaving her here better? I don't know. I would rethink why I was doing it. Are you being selfish? Are you really doing it for you and your daughter? Maybe it's a chance to make generational money. You know, it's entirely possible, right? You got a chance to make generational money, and you're going to be working 70 hours a week 
for three, four years, five years, whatever it is. Because she's six, so you're talking mid-teens. So you're talking seven years. Now, if you've got a chance to make generational money, change the generational out direction of your whole family, maybe that's an excuse. But short of that, short of that, I don't know. Because you're not. She's not going to be happy. She may over time accept it because children do, but she's not going to be happy. Do not trying to establish or reestablish a relationship with a teenager who you don't know. Yeah, ask a military father who's been away for, you know, a number of years during that same time period and see how well easy it is. You know, it's re you know, reestablishing. You're going to come back wanting to be mom again, and guess what? You ain't been mom in a long time. She's not going to just accept it. So there's. There's just something selfish that rings to me on that on that letter. I just want someone to, you know, rethink your position on that, if possible. And maybe it's not. Again, maybe there's an excuse. All right. My three-year-old daughter's mom called me and asked me to help her out, my child, financially. Should I help her? I see my child from time to time but live far. You don't pay child support? Every month? Well, that's, that's part of the question. Is, well, you know, some families, you know, they're, uh, neither one is well off enough to send the other person money, right? So you're off kind of just kind of surviving on your own. You know, that, that often happens. But if you have the money to send, why haven't you already been sending the money? Why wouldn't you is the question. Now, I can get it. If you've got a family and they've got a family and everybody's just kind of struggling to, to get by, there, there's, you know, you can't suck blood from a turnip, right? There's, there's nothing, there's nothing. But if you can, of course you do. It's not even a question. Why are you actually asking somebody? What you're asking for is someone to give you a reason not to because you know that you should. You're hoping someone's going to give you some reason not to. Otherwise, you would have already said no. But there's some selfish part of you that doesn't want to. For whatever reason. I'm not going to assume it's necessarily greed. Maybe it's resentment, bitterness. You know, unresolved feelings about being separated from your daughter. There's lots of psychological potentials. But the reality is, you know you should. So do it. It's often and as much as you can figure out. Why do you want your suffering? Okay. I'm a 36-year-old, still unemployed, with practically non-existent job experience. Given that I come from a middle-class family, do you think I meet the qualifications for a place in the Guinness Book of Records? Um, no. But what you do is, you know, it's your clock is running out to change the direction of your life. Look, this comes from someone who has fallen on his face more times on the planet and had to kind of reinvent myself, you know, oftentimes unsuccessfully. And all you can do is keep trying. I mean, if you're 36 and still unemployed with practically non-existent job experience, well, right now is actually the best time for you out to go find something. 
grocery store, warehouse, washing dishes, restaurants are begging for people. You know, and it's not even humbling yourself at this point. You just need job experience. You just need to show that you're, you can show up on time and do what you're asked. And you'd be surprised how far that goes. You have life experience. You just don't know it. Right now, there is somebody out there who is willing to give you a chance if you're willing to take it. So the question is, are you willing to take it? And you have to decide. Because at 36, you can still have a, a nice life. There's still 50 years to go. 40, 50 years. And you're only half done. Even if you only go to 72, you're still only half done. It's not over. The second half of your book isn't written. But you have to start writing your book. And you know there's lots of free services for uh, mental health issues. And call one of them. Because you maybe have an undiagnosed anxiety disorder or depression or bipolar or something that's holding you back that you don't realize. And there's people who can help. They get paid by taxpayers to help and use them. Okay, what we got? Let's see. We got a good. I made a long list tonight. All right. So my thirteen-year-old son doesn't want his general practitioner to check his privates. How do I deal with that? Well, you just have a conversation with him that this is one of those things you're going to have to eventually get over. I mean, unless there's a reason to check, there's no reason to check. I mean, the doctors really don't need to give a check of that at the moment. I mean, it, it's really you're just checking to see if his testicles are not wrapped around themselves, essentially. But you can actually figure that out by asking questions. You don't need, doctors don't actually need to look at that age unless there's a problem. But at some point, he's going to have to get comfortable with it because we all do. And so this is where you start. <laughs> Well, I beg to differ. I'm not comfortable with it. I have to power my way through. Well, that's what I mean. Comfortable with getting through it is what I meant, I suppose, would be a better... It becomes routine. Yeah. It's it's just a it's just a procedure. It doesn't last long, you know, but yeah. it's, nobody likes it. No, and at 13, you don't know that these people see this 100 times a day. And, and they it, don't give a flip. <laughs> no. They it, don't care. It's just another set of, you know. It, it, the only time they care is if something's unique. Yeah, and that's it's a medical thing. Hey, that shouldn't be there. And then you want them to care. So, you know. <laughs> but... This is just a time where you start having these uncomfortable conversations. It's also a good time to start those conversations about his changing sexuality. It's started early. It's going to happen. You know? But I wouldn't worry about it all that much. It's fairly routine, fairly normal. Just kind of deal with it. All right. <laughs> this is so mean. I heard my 17-year-old daughter sneaking out the window last night and didn't hear her get back until 5 in the morning. Should I confront her and ask her where she went? Well, just tell her to quit using the window. Making <laughs> well, a bunch of noise. Use the front door like a human being. Crying out loud. 
at 17, she kind of is, you know, a practicing adult. And so at, at that kind of stage, like, you know, bad things happen to young women out at those hours. So I'm kind of curious, you know, what you might be doing and make sure you want to be safe. Because at that hour, bad things happen to young women who are out. Bad things happen to young people who are out at that hour. But specifically, it's just, you know. Now, if she's just over at Jane's house hanging out, smoking pot and watching movies or something, it's fine. You know, it's not that much dangerous. You know, everybody has that one friend where everybody can go in the middle of the night. <laughs> no one cares. But, you know, so it, you do actually want to bring it up. But confront her, it may not be what you want to do. I would actually change the attitude. It's not confronting her. You're trying to find out. Because it's not safe to be out there at night. Not safe for anybody. Not safe for me. Not safe for you. Not safe for a 17-year-old girl who's inexperienced at the ways of the world. Or 17-year-old boy who's out there inexperienced with the ways of the world, for that matter. Even though I was out at those hours. I was 17. So, throwing stones here. But I know of what I speak. All right. That's it for you over there? Yeah. All right. My sister recently adopted a child, but the whole family disapproves of it. What should I tell her? You should shut up. You should tell you the rest should of the... You should... Well, the, who you should be talking to is the rest of the family, not your sister. Conversation isn't with your sister. Conversation is with everybody else. You know, it's not their business. And if you're not going to be supportive, then you're going to shut the hell up. She don't need you to, to, to you know, to be negative Nellies in her life. So if you can't be supportive, then at least don't be a drag. And you tell that to the rest of the family. That's what you do. You know, there's times when you have to stand up for something more important than, you know, Petty emotions. There's greater principles at stake. She's doing something wonderful. She's adopting a child. Giving a child without a home a home. Okay. My daughter says she doesn't want my help or want me checking her grades. She's in college and I want access next fall. What should I do? There's not a damn thing you can do. So. <laughs> be frustrated is what you're going to do. Be nice, maybe she'll tell you. Yeah, yeah, change your attitude towards it. Stop expecting it and you may get it. Start treating her like an adult and she may start treating you like a, you know, an adult relationship where she shares these things because she wants to, not because she has to. Your relationship has changed. It just has. She's an adult now. You want her to share these things with you because she wants to share these things with you. She want, you want her to want to ask for your help. Not that she has to ask for your help. Not that she has to share it. So, she's drawing her boundaries. Respect them. Okay, I think we can power through these last couple quick, real quick. My fiancé got his co-worker pregnant. Our wedding is in two months and everything's paid for. He says he still loves me and that he made a mistake. What should I do? What would you do? 
Well, well, it depends on what you want to do. But you got to realize, if you marry this man, you are marrying this other woman and child for the rest of your life. They are going to be in your life, too. Well, it's just not that. It's... Children rarely happen on one mistake. This is not a one-time affair. I'm just sorry it likely isn't. And while maybe you might be able to look past the stress of something and, you know, you're thrown together at a conference and alcohol is involved and all that kind of stuff, maybe, maybe that you could qualify that kind of thing as maybe a mistake. <laughs> maybe. I'm trying to be generous here. But not even you're not even married yet. You can't even blame like a seven-year itch. There's, there's, this is not a mistake. This, and I'm not necessarily a sign. It's just a sign that you're not really meant for each other, or he's not really committed to a relationship yet. You know, it's not time. At the very least, put it off. It'll be there in a year. And if it ain't, then it wasn't meant to be. But I suspect that, you know, you'll be better off. This is one of those things that you, you know, you're going to dodge the bullet. You know, you got an opportunity to dodge a bullet, dodge the bullet. Don't be afraid of being alone. Don't accept less than you're worth because you're afraid of being alone. Have more faith in yourself than that. Okay. I'm a twenty I'm twenty one years old. I'm a homeowner and in college. My mom wants me to move back in with her and her boyfriend so that I can take care of my siblings, thirteen and seven. She still calls me selfish for leaving after you're being on my own. What's the right thing to do? Keep on keeping on. That's the right thing to do. You are on a good path. It, you, your siblings are not your responsibility. No, no. After college, maybe if you can still manage to take care of your siblings and whatnot, then you maybe want them to move in with you. But... You know, maybe that's a choice after college if you can afford it, if you can deal with that. But why would you set your, your life backwards? Deliberately set your life backwards. You're 21, you know, with a home. You're, you're going to college. So it means you're working and going to college because no one affords a home without working. So you've gotten this far. Don't go backwards. Yeah. You can respect you wanting to take help your, your siblings, but you owe your mother nothing. You can still be a, a older sibling without having to move back, without having to set your life backwards. Some people, your, your, your mother is unfortunately toxic, because only a toxic parent would ask that. Yeah. And we saw another daughter's word drawing boundaries, it's time for you to draw yours. And I know it's hard. But you know the right thing to do. Just keep on keeping on. Okay, last one. Last one. How would you handle it if your 21-year-old stepson 
who is who has a college degree but is vowed to never work since he's anti-capitalist wants to move back in. He has been couch surfing with various friends and family for eight years. Well, well, in a sense, if you're providing value to other people, and so you know whether it's you know comfort, kindness, um, um, you know, entertainment, you know whatever, and they repay for that with you know place to sleep or something. There's fundamentally nothing wrong with that, but that's no different than being a capitalist, by the way. Um, but just look up at the earlier question. The guy was 36, and your 29-year-old son will, in a few years, be looking back and asking himself the same question. And what is kind of sad is that he's highly educated. So this is what he was taught in college. And we talked about why college is a difficult choice. This is why college is a difficult choice, because they don't always learn the right lessons. Now, if you're anti-capitalist, well, there's nonprofits you can work for. You know, anti-capitalist doesn't mean anti-work. Name one anti-capitalist country where the people didn't do any work. You did. You often worked under threat of a gun, or threat of jail, or death. So, you know, there's no joy in anti-capitalism. Capitalism has its issues, and we're not going to go into them here. But this is more about, I don't even want to say him not taking responsibility, him being educated improperly. And at this stage, you have to find some way to uneducate him. And I don't know how to do that. Because it's not even a capitalist thing. It, it's he's got it in his head that capitalism, and, and work, and you know, providing for yourself or other people around you so they take care of you, isn't a thing. You know, you have to provide value to people, even for those of us who continually fall on our face and continually need friends and family to to help help us get back up. As someone who is completely, you know, I don't even want to say guilty of that, but who does that? Who has used that family resource? You know, you still have to provide value to that family. They have to believe that you continually try. They have to believe that you're trying to be a better person. They have to believe that, you know, you're not selfish. You have to believe all these things. You have to provide some value to them. Otherwise, they're just, you're going to end up homeless on the street. And it's not about capitalism. It's just because you become a drag. And, you know, not everybody wants to walk around with an anchor. And so if you are going to be an anchor, you have to figure out how to lighten that load. Now, what do you tell them? I don't know. don't know. But it's not the anti-capitalist thing. That's, I swear, that's just people blaming something for their problems. But that's more of a political thing that we want to get into. So, <laughs> we're not going to go down that road. You know, there's part of me wants to have compassion because it's not his fault. He was taught this in school. But at some point, you're an adult. You've got to take responsibility for your, you know, at least accept responsibility for where you are. 
so other people have some faith in you that you're going to try to dig yourself out of it. So they'll help you. Yeah. Whether it's capitalism or socialism or, or whatever ism you want, you know, ultimately that's the end of it, isn't it? Other people have to want to help you if we're going to have successful lives. And how do you how do you live your life in a way that allows other people to want to help you? Right? Without manipulations, without scheming, without you know, tangling a confusing web. Yeah. Maybe that's the question all of us should be looking for. And with that me and Libby want to thank you for joining us. You can find us at latenightlove.us. You can find us on Late Night Love on all your various social media and podcast networks. You can find us Tuesday night. So thank you. And uh, for me and Libby, thanks for joining us. Good night. And please remember...